Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. W-P-S. Woo. Pig. Suey. Call them hogs. The Arkansas Razorbacks are in the Elite Eight again. Now I've got four words. Four words for you. Hell of a coach. As in Eric Musselman is a hell of a coach. Let me repeat that. One hell of a coach. And I'm not saying that because we're good friends. I'm saying that because it's a fact. He's just that good. He is the definition of taking his and beating yours. And then taking yours and beating his. He can do it. And I say that knowing it because he's done it everywhere he's been. He's coached in the CBA in Rapid City, South Dakota. He coached in the USBL. He was an NBA assistant. He was an NBA head coach twice. He got fired. He started an AAU team that worked out in a park. They went 70-0 and to start their run. He coached in the D-League. He took an assistant's job at Arizona State. This is a two-time NBA head coach coaching in a park at one point and working as a college assistant at another point. No job was ever beneath him. He was always working, always grinding. And now he's got Arkansas in the Elite Eight in back-to-back years. And he's only been there three years. And he lost a ton of talent from last year's team. But it doesn't matter. None of it matters. It never does with this guy. He's right back in the Elite Eight again. And he's got them facing Duke for a trip to the Final Four. Arkansas v. Duke on the big stage. I mean, if that's giving you Nolan Richardson flashbacks, it should. E. Muss has the Hogs in Corliss Williamson territory. Big Nasty, Scotty Thurman. Those days, they seem like so long ago, and Muss has brought it back. And the other thing about Muss, he never took a shortcut. He didn't take a shortcut. They beat the number one overall seed. They didn't backdoor their way in. That's the first time Arkansas has ever done that. They've never beaten a number one seed overall. Now they have, and nobody gave Arkansas any shot against Gonzaga last night. But here's the truth. Eric Musselman gives you a shot. Always. I don't care what you give him. He will give you a shot because this dude is a hell of a coach. And he's a hell of a motivator. And we saw it again last night after the game. You told us no one was giving this team a chance to come in here and beat Gonzaga. What did your team show you out here tonight? Uh, Same thing all year. Great toughness. I mean, our defense to hold them to 68. Incredible defense. We believed, you know, nobody else did. We read everything. I'm telling you, we put it up on our screen every single meal. Thank you to everybody that said we had no chance. I know you did, and you said you wanted these guys to have an outer body experience. Jalen Williams, J.D. Note, the head of the snake. What could you say about their performance out here today? I'm just such great toughness. I mean, we're not always cosmetically pleasing offensively, but we win. But we win. They do, too. They do win. And the fact that he came back to the Bay Area is incredible. You want to talk about a full circle. 
You want to talk about a full circle moment. He coached for the Warriors. We talked earlier this week about the great Raymond Ritter. And now he's back in their building and he's getting one of the biggest wins of his career. And as he said, it is incredible. You know, the day that I was either fired from the Kings or the Warriors to think that I would be coaching in a Sweet 16 in the Bay Area, if anybody would have asked me that at that particular time, I would have told them there was zero chance, not 5%, not 10%, but literally zero chance of that happening. But I guess, you know, the world has a funny way of of working itself out. Uh, Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, yes, it does. But let's be really clear about this. The world did not work itself out. Eric Musselman worked his ass off. That's how that happened. There might be magic in the journey, but it's magic mixed with a hell of a lot more sweat and blood and toil. Late nights, early mornings, practice, repetition, film study, and hours of focus grind every damn day. No days off. Weeks of that, months of that, years of that. You don't magic your way into being a college head coach, and you do not magic your way into back-to-back elite eight runs. And you sure as hell do not magic your way into taking down the number one team in the country. That was no fluke. Arkansas did not just beat Gonzaga. They beat the crap out of Gonzaga. They imposed their will on the best team in the country. They forced Gonzaga to play the game their way, at their pace, at their tempo, at their rhythm, ground and pound. In the first half, every time Gonzaga tried to go on a run, Arkansas stopped it immediately. And by the second half, they were just working the Zags repeatedly. They got up on Gonzaga, and they never let them back in. And this is not about the Zags choking. It's about Arkansas choking them out, attacking Chet Holmgren, driving right into him, forcing the referees to make a call, which they did. Now, perhaps too many times. All right, perhaps, but that's a story for another day. Muss and I talked about Adis Tony earlier in the week. If you did not know about him after the clamps that he put down on Teddy Allen, you know about him right now after that lockdown performance against Gonzaga. He absolutely shut down Andrew Nemhard. And for all that talk about Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, Nemhard is the guy who makes that team go. He's the head of the snake. Tony chopped it right off. Two for 11. Five turnovers. But even that does not begin to do it justice. All the awkwardness and frustration that the Zags felt last night, most of that came from Tony shutting down the start of their offense. And if you did not notice him early in the game, then he made sure you noticed him at the end of the game. There was Tony punctuating it with a great block. Taken off to the basket. Nice help oh, again. Swatted away. We swung that at the beginning with the block. It started early. The continues all ball game. Pursuit. Look at that play. Unbelievable. Incredible. Success and accomplishment. Give credit to Tony. He has been fantastic defensively. Yeah, he was. A tremendous chase down block. And then he closed it out with a dunk. Down they go to Tony. Going to end it with a dunk. Well, Fayetteville is 1,843 miles away. But the call of the Hogs can be heard all the way to San Francisco. And the thing is, it was not just one guy. It was an entire team effort. It's got to be. It always is with these guys. J.D. Note, a force in nature, right? 
He took 29 shots. He poured everything he had into that game. He was barely making it up and down the floor near the end. Jalen Williams is a stud. Like, I could go down the list. Every single guy who stepped on the floor last night for them played their asses off. You know how coaches always talk about wanting to win the 50-50 balls. There were no 50-50 balls last night. Every loose ball was 90-10 Arkansas. They were just faster. They were stronger. They were tougher to the ball nearly every single time. They attacked everything. Gonzaga was shell-shocked, stunned into a lot of missed shots, and then out of the tournament. No wonder they were celebrating their asses off in the locker room when that game was over. such an amazing moment. I want to be very clear about this too. This is not just a case or a bunch of guys who work really hard. They're damn good. They're damn good. They're extremely well coached. And now they're going up against Coach K. Emus v. Coach K for a trip to the Final Four. Man, it does not get any crazier or more wild or more amazing than that. Woo pig suey. Just wild stuff. My dude Muss has got them in the Elite Eight again. Twice in three years. 1-800-636-8686. And I know Hog Nation's feeling it. He is such a great match for them and them for him. You know, Musk with that personality, that energy, they love him, they feed off him, and he gets it. That's not some dude who's out of touch who doesn't get it. Like, I could go on and on about how this guy reinvented himself personally, professionally, how hard he goes, how smart he is with it, and his ability to turn and build things as quickly as he has. It is absolutely amazing. So I had to start right there. Had to start right there. And this is why when the big head and I got into it yesterday, I said, here's part of my problem. I've lost a lot of money betting the tournament this week or since the start of the tournament. I admit it. Part of the reason is I'm betting guys personally, but there's no way I would ever, ever, ever bet against my guy, Muss. No way. Oh, yeah. I love that sound. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. What Shopify does is it gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Listen. I know where we started and where we are right now, and I do not plan on stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. And Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Do this for me. No, do this for you. Go to shopify.com slash all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. You have to try this. Grow your business 
with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. That's shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Do it. Check it out. Eric Musselman is joining us. He must, my man. How you feeling? How you living, Eric? <laughs> We're doing great, Jim. Appreciate having me on again. It is so good to have you, Mus. Now, you told your players, I want you guys to have an out-of-body experience last night. Then they went out and they took it to the top seed in the tournament. What was the experience like for you personally? Did you also feel like you had an out-of-body experience as well? <laughs> I think anytime you win in the NCAA tournament, Jim, you, you kind of have a semi-out-of-body experience. But certainly uh, playing Gonzaga, I mean, we had read for five days uh, that this wasn't going to be a game that, uh, they were a heavy favorite. Uh, no one, no one was even talking about us. It was so interesting. By the time we had gotten to San Francisco, uh, people were actually talking about the second game that they would play. Um, and even one of their players in an interview uh, talked about the two games uh, that they were going to play in San Francisco. And so we played all that stuff every time we met. Uh, and every time we go to a meal, Jim, we do a five- to six-minute film session, pre-meal, post-meal. If we go to practice, we do it uh, you know, pre-practice and then post-practice. They're not long film sessions, but we had enough material that would have lasted us a half a year with everybody, I mean, basically not giving us any respect. And, and, and you know, we're probably going to run into the same thing between now and tip-off for the game on Saturday as well. Eric Musselman joining us. Mus, I was going to say, how much would you like people to pick against you again tomorrow night? And do you feel like that is going to be the case and that you can use that as fuel and energy? Well, we, we definitely think, I mean, we've already heard the stuff that's been on, uh, you know, national publications and reading stuff and we're gathering it all as a staff. And, you know, I think certainly our job is to try to motivate uh, any way that we possibly can. We we, we kind of knew uh, getting on the plane uh, because we were the only, you know, region that had a one, two, three, four seed, um, you know, and we were the fourth seed. So we knew that, that we were going to be the underdog, um, you know, from here on out. And uh, certainly, you know, the Duke-Texas uh, Tech game was a phenomenal game. And Duke is, we all know how good Duke is and, you know, they have a lottery pick. Um, it's a really, really hard matchup. But having said that, we're a resilient team that's, that's, that's played really well. Um, you know, in our last 21 games, 18-3, and three, two of the losses by five or less. So we're, we're a confident team as well, Jim. Eric Musselman joining us. Musselman, I'm always curious about your process. Like, that was such a great, great win, such an emotional win. Like, how long did you enjoy that? And then what did you do last night? Your energy right now is still off the charts. What did you do last night? And then what did you do this morning so far? What's today been like? <laughs> well, I didn't sleep at all. Uh, my wife uh, kicked me out into the, uh, into the you know, the, the non-bedroom part of <laughs> Of, of where there was a table and another TV. Um, so I went out there and, and uh, started diving in. We have, we have three scouting reports, uh, two from outside services um, on, on Duke and then our own. Uh, so I, I, what I like to do is, is, is take all the notes that I possibly can on the scouting reports, and then we get those to the players. So they get the, you know, the typed-up version um, of the scouts, but then they'll also have the notes or tidbits um, 
you know, that I have um, either from watching the game live, because our game ended and I went, uh, after all the media obligations, Jim, I went out and watched the entire game. Uh, most of our players came back to the hotel and ate, but I wanted to stay and, wa- and watch the entire game live. I think you get a much better feel live scouting than you can via video. Um, and then this morning uh, we met. I worked out for a, a while, read some other scouting reports and some notes and articles that we had pulled late last night on Duke. Um, and then I actually went over to Twitter my staff told me to go back to my room, but we had a, a, someone in, inside a Twitter headquarters, and I went and took a tour there. Um, we're having team meal now, team film. We'll go over to practice at 1.30, and at 1 o'clock, I'm going to load them up on the bus early. They don't know it yet, but uh, someone within the San Francisco Giants organization is going to allow us in, and we're going to get some pictures in there, and then we'll head over to practice. So um, a lot of preparation, though, between now and, and tip-off. So, uh, Saturday evening. So, Mus, I mean, this, this is incredible. Like, when you said you went over to Twitter, I thought you meant you picked up your phone and went over to Twitter. You actually went over to Twitter, you know, brick and mortar. You went to the building, right? Why did you do that? <laughs> well, I'm so active on Twitter, and uh, and our social media team at Arkansas thought it would be great. I was actually supposed to meet a couple of uh, the higher-ups at Twitter, but, but the schedule – didn't work out when I had already arranged for us to go to to to, to tour inside the the Giants stadium. Um, you know, the timing didn't work, but I still wanted to go over there and take a tour. Um, and I did get to meet three or four people in there um, that were nice enough to show us around. But I'm so active on Twitter that I might I might as well go see you know see how the magic happens in in in, in the corporate headquarters. I see how the sausage is made. Must you did this in Buffalo, too, when you got together with Sean McDermott and you saw the Buffalo Bills. Is this just a case that no matter where you are, you're going to make sure that you get something or you take away something from it, no matter where you are always? We do, yeah, Jim. I mean, we do it during the regular season. I mean, you know, that's the difference between a, you know, a pro organization and a college program is – you know, it's still an education process. It's still got to be fun. And you know, you know what, Jim, I learned so much at Nevada. Um, you know, we were 17 straight weeks uh, of, of being in the top 10 uh, and we just didn't have enough fun. You know, I mean, we'd win by 12 points and I'd come home grumpy and, and uh, in a bad mood that we didn't win by 17 points and our fans, uh, you know, were not always happy, you know, even, even if we won by, 14 and it was a home game and and I just I felt like I put way too much pressure um, on our team and actually I talked to Caleb Martin this morning and Caleb plays for the Heat and every almost every time I talk to him I besides telling him I love him and thanks for you know winning a ton of games for us you know I apologize for for us not uh, embracing the wins enough and for having fun and celebrating um, and so I learned from that. And so I'm trying to take as much pressure off of the, I mean, everyone look, the, all these guys on our team know we're playing Duke. I mean, they know, you know, what's written across the front of the Jersey, you know, how do we alleviate a little bit of that, build the confidence up and also have fun while we're preparing. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. 
Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? My guy. Eric Musselman joining us. You know, Mus, we've talked about your journey so many times because I personally find it so inspiring. But I want to ask you, when you were coaching in the G League or grinding it out as an assistant at Arizona State or LSU, did you have moments like last night in mind? Was that the motivation or was it something else? I would say, Jim, kind of the opposite. Um, When I was coaching in the G League, I loved it. It's one of the funnest jobs ever. You get to work for six months, and then you got six months to either coach a national team in Venezuela or Dominican Republic. Um, there's not any pressure in the G League. You can experiment. You can get really creative from a coaching game plan standpoint. You're helping guys' careers as they move up into the NBA and, and reach their dreams. But I will tell you, like, when people, um, you know, see uh, the celebration or see – uh, you know, the excitement after a big win, a lot of it, Jim, is because people, I couldn't get interviews or I would get an interview. I had an interview at, at Central Florida and the athletic director fell asleep in the middle of the interview. And so to me, um, getting a crack or getting an opportunity to coach at the college, it was so hard. Athletic directors across the country would not answer phone calls uh, they had absolutely zero respect for uh, NBA background, uh, which which was amazing to me because still to this day the best coaches I've ever coached against are NBA coaches, and it's not even close. It's not close at all. The NBA coaching is so good. You know, you're coaching an 82-game season instead of a 30-game season. The games are eight minutes longer. Um, I mean, even, even uh, the Campbell Camels, I remember – trying to get a hold of their athletic director and no response. And San Jose State was 25 minutes from my home, and I couldn't get an interview with them. And so all that stuff just builds up uh, to, to try to drive you as a coach each and every day. Hey, Mus, F, yes. Incredible. <laughs> incredible stuff my man dropping names and i couldn't be happier to hear it you had an ad fall asleep now i remember eric on the way up when you and i would talk process and and how to work and how to get these opportunities as you and i were grinding our way out of the minor leagues trying to make the big time i know how you prepared for interviews i knew back in the day before there was like digital technology you would come in with gigantic notebooks of what you would do if you had the opportunity you really had an 80 fall asleep in the middle of an interview Oh, yeah, literally fall asleep and i did i brought in all the books that had depth charts that had recruiting plans a four-year recruiting plan. It had a 10-year recruiting plan. It had a plan how to sell out the building. 
literally zonked out. I looked at the search firm who was in it with me, and I just picked up my stuff and said, well, you know, hopefully when the guy wakes up, somebody's here because I'm leaving. Uh, but, yeah, just absolutely incredible stories. Um, a Pac-12 school in the middle of an interview. The guy's on his, on his phone texting, tweeting. I don't know what the guy was doing. So, yeah, the stories are absolutely amazing compared to when you go to, into an NBA interview and, 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 and Gary St. Jean tells you to get up on a dry erase board and diagram plays with five seconds left, diagram plays with 14 seconds left. What are you going to do if the ball goes into Tim Duncan in, in, within the last 10 seconds of a game? Are you going to trap? Where's the trap coming? But most athletic directors cannot ask you those type of questions because they have no idea. So the interview process is, is, is drastically different than what the interview process would be uh, with people that really know the sport. Incredible. So how did you get into the college game initially? If it was that hard to get through any of the doors or get anybody to pay attention, how did you get that first break just to get into the college game? Well, I mean, it was really my, you know, my wife, she's way smarter than me. She said, Hey, you know, after two years of doing the G league and winning a lot, not getting a, a, you know, an NBA crack at it other than some assistant coaching opportunities, Jim, we, we decided as a family, go to Arizona state for two years. And I went to LSU and, and, and really prior to LSU, Flip Saunders had called uh, and Flip was, you know, part owner of the Timberwolves and the head coach. And, and he, it's the first time in my life where I've actually had a coach, you know, kind of beg me to come. He had Sidney Lowe call, who was an assistant coach on that staff, as well as Sam Mitchell. So they were all recruiting me. I wanted to go back there. Flip was a guy that, as I was growing up, was an idol as I watched him play for my dad at the University of Minnesota. And I thought it was an incredible opportunity uh, to go back to the Timberwolves. And, and my wife, she said, no, we're going to Baton Rouge. And I went and worked for Johnny Jones. I didn't know Coach Jones at all. But my wife just said, hey, we, we devoted two years at Arizona State. Let's just, let's just go one more year and see what happens. And then I got an opportunity at Nevada. Um, you know, to, after being at, at LSU for one year and, and, and four years at Nevada, and now thir- going into the, you know, the third year here at, at, at Arkansas. Eric Musselman, my guest. So much really quickly, you and I over the years have talked about your father, Bill, and you and I talked Monday about the fact that your mom, Chris, was going to come to the game and see you coach for the first time since you took over at Arkansas. I, I've got to think that when you had all that emotion on the floor last night, you were looking for family, maybe your wife, your kids. But were you looking for your mom, and what did it mean to have her there and share that moment with her? Because your mom has been obviously with you from day one, but through everything, everything, as a player, as a coach, as a person. What did that moment mean? I mean, it was incredible. It's, a, it's, it's actually, Jim, the first time that I can ever recall that I, I actually, because uh, when you're the lower seed team, your, your family and the parents, they sit across from the bench. When you're the higher seed, they're behind the bench. And so I, I actually had a direct view across the court. With about a minute 40 to go, I looked at my younger son, Matthew, um, and he was making eye contact with me. And then certainly uh, when, when Adise Tony stole the ball and, 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 and got a dunk off a long outlet from, from Jay Will, you know, I, I looked directly at my mom. She had given me a, a Buckeye from Ohio that she had saved that my dad used to carry around. I didn't even know my dad carried it around. So 
my mom doesn't think it has anything to do with how we played Gonzaga's dribble handoffs. She doesn't think it has anything to do with how we denied Chet Holmgren as the trail man when they tried to play their high-low game. She thinks it was the Buckeye that she handed me pregame for the reason we won the game. That is goosebump stuff, Moss. That is so good, dude. That is the best. So now you're preparing for Duke. How are you going to spend the rest of the day? You talked about the players don't know yet. They're getting on that bus. But what is your message going to be this time as you get ready for that game tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean, the one thing that that I've kind of come up with is, you know, respect but no fear. And and I think that will kind of be our our internal theme. Um, And then the other theme that we're going to use is, is 40, 40 for 40. And, and, and what that means is we have a 40-minute segment ahead of us, and if we play well in that 40-minute segment, we get the opportunity to play another 40-minute segment in the final four. So um, 40 for 40 will be one of our themes as we, as we continue to, to try to get ready to play an incredible Duke team. Must did you sleep like an hour, two hours, three hours, or not at all? No, we actually our team doctor gave me a a shot. I've had a shot five out of six um, days in, in in my shoulder because I can't I can't sleep in a bed really. I've I've kind of tried, but and I don't want to continue to sleep in the. I don't know if I told you, Jim. I've been sleeping in a beach chair every road trip since I had my rotator cuff torn um, and and had the surgery and the beach chair. Like I I can't sleep in it anymore. And the bed doesn't really work. I'm probably another three weeks away from sleeping in a bed. So I try to sleep upright uh, and just can't get it <laughs> can't get it done. So I was working out at about 4:45 this morning. I started my workout, and on the workout was reading scouting reports. So no sleep needed at this time of year. My man, absolute maniac. Must have just. I'm in a point in my life where I've got no problem saying it off air or on air either. I just I don't even care. I love you, man. I, I love you, and I could not respect and admire you any more than I do. And I'm just pulling so much inspiration out of what you've made of your life, your brand, your family, your team. It's just incredible stuff, man. It really is. I, re- I really appreciate you. I love you. And keep it up. What can I say? I, I appreciate you, Jim. Love you. And, and uh, you know, the friendship, it's, it's not often you can have a friendship uh, for as many years as you and I have, and, and the respect. Uh, I tell people all the time, all you have to do is listen uh, to Jim Rome, one of his hour segments to know how much preparation goes in. And to be the best in the business is hard, and that's obviously what you've done for so many years. And it's hard. It's even harder to stay on top like you have. You too, Mus. I would say the exact same thing about you. So appreciate you. Great to have you on, Mus. I know that today is a busy, busy day. And the fact that you committed to coming back on the show that fast, and I kept you much longer than I meant to. So have yourself another day, Mus. And I do appreciate it. Great to have you on, Eric. Thanks, JR. The best thing is we got Jungle Karma again. That's, that's the real reason we came on. I appreciate it. And now a message from Discoverer about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it is nice to have them answered by a real person. You know, somebody who can actually understand your issues and work to resolve them. In other words, what you do not need is a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Talk some football. It's been an entire 48 hours since the last time the entire landscape shifted in the NFL. 
And I kind of appreciate the breather, honestly, because I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around the idea of Tyreek Hill being a Miami Dolphin. I know there's been so much movement and so much change and so much chaos, but Tyreek Hill is a Dolphin. It's kind of hard to get my head wrapped around. And the Dolphins being one of the more compelling teams in pro football right now, also extremely difficult for me to get my head wrapped around. But it all did get a little easier to understand having seen what I saw yesterday. The Cheetah officially introduced in Miami. And he wasted no time confirming some things that we all pretty much knew already. Things I said, for instance, within 15 minutes of that trade news breaking. The first item being the main reason that he's no longer a member of the Chiefs. It's, it's tough. It's tough, man, but... If somebody comes to you with a lot of money, <laughs> it, 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 changes. it changes. The feelings start to change a little bit. Now let me stop. But it's, it, it, it definitely was tough, man. Yeah, this shocking revelation just in, it was the money. No way. At least he said it. Of course, cash changes feelings. 120 mil, 72 mil guaranteed, 25 mil due at signing, a pile of bills that enormous will, quote, change a lot of feelings. Sorry to break it to that Chiefs fan who emailed the program the other day expecting loyalty. Loyalty ain't got bleep on skyscraper stacks of paper. Then there's the other point, that whole Jets, quote, decision. You know, that thing that he was allegedly, quote, torn over. Remember that report? Remember that early speculation that it looks like he's on the move, but he's torn? And I said, come on, man. Torn? If the Jets are involved, nobody is torn over anything. How could you be torn over the Jets and somebody else? We all know that nobody with an option would ever choose the J-E-T-S. That part was absurd. Like, if the Jets are your option, then you don't actually have an option. Do I need to repeat that? If the Jets are your option, then you do not actually have an option. The Jets are, and I don't even know how they're good enough for this. They're a stocking horse. They're basically contract leverage in the form of a football franchise. And I don't even know how they work as leverage because we all know that nobody would go there. But effectively, they still, in this case, worked as a little bit of leverage. And instead of being a stalking horse, they were like a stalking goat, a stalking donkey, a stalking stray dog. The cheetah didn't even try to hide that fact. He didn't pick them up. He didn't pretend like it was a possibility. He openly mocked them. How close were you to, to pick up the Jets? Yeah. How close was I? Yeah. Who? The Jets? <laughs> I know, man. Look, man. It's, it's a lot. Of, I, I don't even want to get into all that. I knew I was going to pick Miami no matter what, man. Because, like I say, I'm basically from here, dog. I'm here all the time, man. Like, this is home for me, for us. So... He hit them. He dropped a who, a who on them. Like who? he literally 
put the entire organization in a body bag and zipped it up. A who? Who? Jets, Jets, Jets. He just dropped a who on your head. He just zipped you all up into a nice cozy body bag. I mean, damn. I know the gang green nation is used to that sort of thing, but that is brutal. He's openly laughing at you. Another NFL franchise, at least in name. <laughs> Tyreek Sajan, Drew Rosenhaus, later revealed that the Jets were the first team to get a trade approved, which means they were the first team to start negotiating contract terms. And with that terrible non-option of an option on the table, Rosenhaus let the rest of the league know things were getting close. <laughs> True is the best, man. He is something else. He let the rest of the league know that things were getting close with New York. And then, like, I don't know, five seconds later, Cheetah was already a dolphin. In other words, the J-E-T-S got U-S-E-D used, used, used. Played, played, played. Abused, abused, abused. Clowned, clowned, clowned. Man, don't try and tell me. That, and Jets fan, whatever you do, don't you dare come in here and tell me, yeah, well, they drove up the price on a division rival because that's not how that went down either. Kansas City was always going to give Hill the choice. Miami just needed a comparable offer. Once that was on the table, the entire thing got wrapped up between Tuesday night and Wednesday morning. So trust this. I haven't talked to Tyreek. I haven't talked to Drew. I don't need to to know that he wasn't, quote, torn. He didn't have to think about that for one second. And we know the Jets weren't even offering a first-round pick. So if you were like me and you were somewhat underwhelmed by Kansas City's haul in this trade and thought that Miami got a steal on those terms, just know this. They kind of have the Jets to thank for that because they set that low price point. And how do the Jets not know that in order to get anybody who matters, they're going to have to pay out the ass? They would have to overpay so much to get a guy like that. Because why would anybody pick them over anybody else? But enough talk about those clowns. Let's talk about now one of my new favorite coaches in the NFL for a second, who is apparently already one of Tyreek Hill's favorite coaches. And of course, I'm talking about the legend. And I say this is a guy who hasn't even been a head coach yet, who I haven't even spoken to, and I already think he's a legend. Mike McDaniel. He's probably the funniest head coach I've ever met in my life. You know, he's, he's, he's a dope guy, a fun guy to be around. I can tell that already, and his energy is contagious. You know, so I'm, I'm excited. You know, the way he was telling me he was going to get me the ball, that's always exciting for a receiver. But, like... My biggest thing is, like, his whole message off the field, man. Tyreek, just be you, man. He kind of sounded like Shrek a little bit. He was like, just be you, Reek. Just be you, Reek. And that's all I can ask for, man. I, I, I coach to have my back off the field, man. So he went to bat for me, and I know all 90 guys on this roster going to go to bat, even though I know 90 can't be on there. But, you know, everybody going everybody gonna to go to bat for him. So excited to play for the guy, man. You know, I certainly talk about reek off the field. Certainly have some issues with reek off the field. But this dude is just owning this presser. And I'm not going to say that erases everything that he has done or said or who he is or what he's about. We already know what he's about on the field. But my man is just owning the day, right? This BU reek 
Like, just be you, Reek. Just be you, Reek. He's already got a Mike McD impression. He said, man, this guy's dope. This guy's the funniest head coach I've ever been around. How long have you been around him, Reek? Like five minutes? This is how cool McDaniel is. Everybody loves this guy, and he hasn't even done anything yet as a head coach. Yeah, but you know what he's done as an assistant. If you all remember, Mike McD made Debo Samuel look pretty freaking incredible in San Francisco. I'm not saying that Debo isn't incredible, because he is, but McD had something to do with that. And the cheetah took note, which is probably what he's envisioning for himself in Miami. Dolphin Debo. Different guys, different players, but extremely dangerous. Sounds pretty bleeping scary to me, which is why I said yesterday, and it sounded crazy when I said it, even to myself. But the Dolphins have suddenly become must-watch TV, must-see TV. When was the last time I or anybody else said that about that team? Ever? Now, admittedly, it's a lot of pressure on a first-year head coach and an unproven quarterback and a revamped roster. But Cheetah, Cheetah explained yesterday he's not feeling any of that pressure, With great any ex- pressure at all. In fact, he creates the pressure. With great expectations comes great pressure. Are you right. ready for that? I don't blink, dog. I don't believe in pressure, dog. I make the pressure. Yeah, I'm pushing P, baby. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what that means? You know what pushing P means? No, not around too old. All right, so look, this is what you do. When you get in your car, go to Apple Music, type in Pusha P Gunner. And then I want you to bobby head to that. And then I want you to tweet. Okay, I know what you mean, Tyreek. And I'm going to retweet that. I got you. I got you. I tell you, man, Reek, Reek was having him a presser. He was having himself a day. My man just holding court and dropping bombs. I love that. I love that. And I love it just like all those reporters who were awkwardly laughing because they had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I love him saying, hey, man, I don't blink, all right? I I create the pressure. I don't have to react or handle the pressure. I make the pressure. I'm pushing P. And then he hits all these old, crusty reporters with, you know what that means? Do you know what that means? And they're like, no, I'm too old. Hey, Alvi, do you have any push and pee that is suitable for air? Push and pee. I push and pee. Push and pee. I push and pee. Yeah. Push and pee. I push and pee. Push and pee. I push and pee. All right. Yeah. All right. I can vibe this. Push and pee. Yeah, unless I'm wrong. Push and pee just means keeping it real. Keeping it real. All right. Spin my whole thing around here. I'm always pushing P around here. Like when I said from the very jump that the Cheetah was never going to sign with that clown show, the Jets. That when that first report dropped that he was, quote, torn, I laughed out loud. That's pushing P. In fact, by the way, uh, why stop there? I can be pushing P for any of the free agent receivers that are still available. That are, quote, supposedly torn. And facing, quote, tough tough decisions about joining the Jets. Hit me up. Hit me up. Like, hey, yo, yo, Vance Mack. Will Fuller here. Should I go to insert any team not named the Jets? Or the Jets? 
Tell you what, Will, I'm glad you asked. This one's easy. Go to anybody not named the Jets. Push and pee. Push and pee, yo. Push and pee. Push and pee. Hey, yo, pimp. Odell here. What do you think? What do you think, pimp? You're dialed in. Should I come back to New York and play for NYJ? Yo, Odell. My brother. Long time. Good to hear from you. No, you should not. You should go literally anywhere else. Push and pee. Push and pee. Hey, yo, Jimmers. Julio Jones here. Hey, Jimmers. I need a new contract. The Jets just put, frankly, a fat offer on the table. Should I take it? Yo, Jay, what up? Yeah, you know what? You should take that offer. Yes, I said it. You should take that offer and then tell them to shove it up their ass. You're welcome. Push and pee. Jets, man. Undefeated at being defeated. So depressing. They're actually hilarious. The NFL landscape might be dramatically changing every 48 hours this offseason, but the Jets, they're always staying the same. The more the league changes, the more the Jets stay the same. And that's just push and pee. I'm not good with everything about Reek. In fact, I'm not good with some things about Reek. But you isolate that performance yesterday, he had himself a day. He was having fun. And why not? Who? <laughs> Who? Does that sound like a guy torn? Who? Oh, yeah. I love that sound. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. What Shopify does is it gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Listen, I know where we started and where we are right now, and I do not plan on stopping there. Because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. And Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Do this for me. No, do this for you. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. You have to try this. Grow your business with Shopify today, go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. That's shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Do it. Check it out. Jamal Shedd is my guest. Jamal, it is so good to have you on. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you on. So you had an enormous performance last night. Can you take me back to the days leading up to the game? What was the mindset and the mentality of the team as you got ready to take on a top seed in Arizona? Um, you know, we, we treated it as any other game. You know, we were locked in on a scouting report, and we just tried to follow the game plan. You know, 
we were just trying to do what coach asked of us and make the right play. All right, so it seems to me you've got – you're kind of taking this all in stride, but the fact is you had a career-high 21 last night. You had 15 in the second half. You've worked your entire life to put yourself in this position to be on the big stage. I know you're taking this in stride. I know it's business, but what's it feel like to have your biggest game of your career on the biggest stage of the season so far? Uh, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, uh, we're in Texas, and I'm from Texas, so, you know, I had a lot of family there. So it was just amazing that have that kind of night with everyone that I know and love in the building, you know, so, so much family was there. I felt loved and had so much confidence. And it was just amazing. That is cool. Jamal Shedd joining us. You've also made the point that in practice, you go up against the best defense in the country, every single day in practice. I'm curious, like how tough are those practices? And then how much does you get, does that get you ready for moments like this? Oh man, you know, red versus white in practice is just intense. You know, they go at us, as hard as we go at anybody during a game. So, you know, it, it just counteracts, and we, we all make each other so much better. Jamal Shedd joining us. So after the win over Illinois, you said that the team plays the way it does because of, quote, our heart. And then you chase that with, we don't want to lose. I mean, help me with this. It seems to me that a lot of teams have heart and that no team wants to lose. I think you guys are more than that. I mean, it seems to me like you're just built differently, like your DNA is different. How would you describe how this crew is built and how much more you want it and the price you're willing to pay? Um, you know, this is this is our first and last year with a lot of guys. You know, Kyler, Josh, Tajay, and, you know, Fabes. This is last year, too. So, you know, uh, Coach says it a lot. You got you to gotta hate losing more than you like winning. And I think we've all adapted to that really well. I like that. you got to hate losing more than you like winning. So these are the guys that you're going to ride with. These are the guys that you're going to go to battle with. But you lost two really key guys earlier this season. Like, what was your message, even as a leader on that team, that, all right, we lost guys. We, we have to somehow make do without them. we got to keep battling. What was the message and the tone like when those two guys went down? You know, we all, we all kind of got closer and we came together. And it was like, you know, we got to do it for them mainly, you know, because they, they wish they were here too, you know, they – but one big thing is that they they are here with us, you know, on that bench. They they are the two most electric guys on the bench, always in practice. They're always there, just encouraging us, giving us confidence, helping us out. So you know, they might not be playing, but they're two very important guys in what we do. Jamal, what's that say about those two dudes? I mean, that can't be easy. It's got to be hard to see what's going on. Like they love you as brothers, but they want to be out there. They want to be a part of it. It's got to kill them not to be a part of it. What's it say about their character and the brotherhood that they're all in still, even if they can't play? You know, that just that just shows what they what they are and how they were growing up as men. You know, it's just it's amazing how how positive they are all the time. You know, it's been a struggle for them. I know it's hard, but they're so positive with us all the time, and they're just always there giving us all the confidence in the world. Jamal Shedd joining us. Let me ask you this. Like, everybody knows that Arizona is loaded, loaded with talent, loaded with length, loaded with athleticism, and everybody knows they play a certain way, but you never let them do what they do. You never let them get into their rhythm and their tempo and their flow. And, in fact, this is kind of what you guys do. You do it to a lot of different teams. How are you able to make teams that are so good, so uncomfortable, impose your will and force them into bad mistakes? How do you do that? Um, you know, just, just just playing really, really hard, you know, giving a lot of effort. Whatever we're told to do, we try to do it to the best ability. You know, we, we pressure the ball really hard. You know, that just kind of gets guys out of the game sometimes, you know. That's all we try to do is just play really, really hard. Jamal Shedd's joining us.
assistant coach Kellen Sampson had this to say about you, quote, that boy came to this world as a point guard. As a leader, he doesn't mind saying the things that need to be said, how they need to be said, and guys rally around him. Like Jamal, it seems to me there are guys that are really good players, but they don't want that, or they're not good at that, or they don't want to say what needs to be said, much less how it needs to be said. You're a really strong leader at a really young age. Is it something that came naturally, or did you learn that and work on that? Um, you know, it just comes with a level of respect. You know, we're as we say a lot, we're a brotherhood. So if if your brother has something to say to you, you listen to him. You know, whether it's negative or positive, he's only going to try to do it for you and make you better. So it's just a level of respect. You know, he said something else I thought that was really interesting. He said that you're somebody who connects one to the other five guys. Quote, Jamal is an awesome connector. I'm kind of curious, like, on the way up, and you're still on the way up, but when you were coming up, who were some of the point guards that you admired and looked up to? Who were some of the guys that maybe you patterned your game after? You know, I really like Chris Paul's game, but one one person I really, really, really modeled my game after was my brother, you know, Jalen Shedd. You know, he, he was a four-year starter at three schools, if that makes sense. You know, he, he started wherever he went, and he was always that guy that everybody linked to and connected to. And it's just, it was just something I followed after, you know, it was in our family. Dude, I love that. I, I love that your brother is your guy. Like, like, how is he similar to you, and how is he different? Uh, we, we literally have the exact same game. He's just left-handed. That's literally <laughs> it. I like that. Same mentality, same mindset, same grind, same grit. Same everything. You know, we worked out every day this summer. I worked out every day for the past about six, seven years together. You know, it's just it's just been him getting me better and me getting him better. Let me ask you about Kelvin Sampson. This is a huge Kelvin Sampson house, always has been. I know he's not for everybody in the sense that he's going to make some demands now. He's going to make some demands of players, and you have to be ready to work, and not everybody wants that. For you, what's he like as a coach, and how much do you like playing for him? Um, you know, like you said, he's demanding. You know, when a coach really believes in you, he tells you your flaws and he tells you what you are good at. So you try to correct on your flaws and you try to just be better at what you already are good at. So he, he tells me what I need to hear, whether if it's good or bad, you know, and I, and I respect him way more for that. And that just makes me want to play harder and play, play better for him. Hey, Jamal, is there something to, like, if a coach – Correct me if I'm wrong. You're okay with a coach pushing you really, really hard if you feel like he's doing it for you and the team and not for himself or selfish reasons. Isn't that what it comes down to? Yeah, that's 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 what being a coach is, you know, and he's he's mastered that to a level that I don't think much much most people understand, you know. He does it he does it at a high level and he's been doing it for a while, so he always he always says you can't learn thing until it's taught and he has a lot to teach, and we, we have a lot to learn. So, like, when he has that that celebration, that moment in the locker room where he rips off his shirt, like, to me, that's just, <laughs> man, that's unadulted joy, right? That's not look at me. That's like, man, I love you dudes. I'm proud of you dudes. I can't believe what you dudes have overcome. Like, what did that feel like to you to see him acting like that? I mean, yeah, you know, Coach Samson's a serious dude. He's he's very locked in, and, you know, he tries to focus on game to game, never looks too far ahead, never looks too far back. But, you know, seeing him – react that way really gave us a lot of joy because you know he knows we know he loves us but to show it and really show emotion is just it was really awesome for us i think that's cool jamal shed joining us for a few more moments and i had your teammate kyler edwards on the show earlier this year it seems like from the outside the two of you have really really good chemistry on the floor so what's he like as a teammate and a person 
man, college is just a joy to be around, you know. Always being a guy that I can depend on on and off the court, you know. It was just we really became really close this year after Mark and T Mark got hurt. You know, we took it upon ourselves to really just be like, Yeah, we we gotta be those guys for this team. We gotta be we gotta be a will for this team and you know, we we really tried our best to do it and I I'm so grateful that he is my backcourt mate because, you know, he's just so helpful. You know, he's been there. He's been in a national title game. So anytime I get shaken or anything, he just looks at me, talks to me, calms me down. You know, we keep going. Dude, do you? Do you get shaken ever? Do you rattle ever? Do you ever have those moments? I mean, yeah, you know, it's okay to be nervous. I've learned that. If you're not nervous, then you're not ready. And in my experience, it's okay to be nervous. But what you do to overcome it, is is all all in your head. It's all mental toughness, and Coach Sampson talks about that a lot. What what do you do to overcome it? How do you quickly reset yourself? How do you overcome in those moments? Um, I think I just talk to my guys. You know, I, I look, I look, I look to my guys. Everybody's older than me, like you said. You know, there's four guys that won't be here next year, all in the starting five. You know, I can just look to any one of any one of those guys, and you know, they just tell me lock in. You know, you got it. They put confidence in me, and, and I really love that. Jamal, that's hard, man. That's hard as a young guy to get the respect from the older guys. How long did that take? Was there a moment where you knew, like, they bought into you? How did you get their respect? How did you go about doing that? Um, you know, it was it was the summer, you know. We're, we're doing conditioning and we're running our hearts out. You know, I'm, I've tried to be first in everything, and I'm trying to pull my guys along with me. And I think I earned their respect then. Man, do, do you love that? respect that responsibility that I'm the guy, get on my back, I'm going to get us there? Do you want that? Do you love that? Um, you know, it's just it just comes with being a point guard. You know, you you have a lot of responsibilities, and sometimes it is it is what it is. And, you know, sometimes it can be scoring for me this game, defense for me this game, rebounding, whatever, et cetera. And I just try to do whatever is needed for us, you know, whatever, whatever is needed for us to win. Coaches have made that clear. They love that about you, that you will do whatever it takes, whatever they need in that moment. Really quickly, you're going to face Villanova tomorrow night, which means you're going up against another group of really good guards. What do you see as the key to that game? Oh, man, uh, just locking in on defense and following the scouting report again. You know, our coaches do a good job of – actually a great job of getting us prepared for a game, you know. We just got to follow the game plan and lock in on whatever they're telling us. Okay, dude, isn't that so powerful that you believe that deeply in the coaches that they're going to they're gonna set you up for success, and if you do what they tell you to do, there's a real good chance you're going to win. That's powerful. Yeah, you know, never, they haven't steered me wrong yet. You know, they give confidence in me, and that just makes me believe in them so much more. And you give confidence in them and everybody around you. In an all-conference selection, Houston with an enormous win over Arizona. Hey, Jamal, I appreciate you so much, especially coming on after a game like that before another big game. Congrats. Great talking to you, and I appreciate the conversation, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. What's up, playa? Yo, next time, let's just keep it to one minute, all right, Jim? Fair enough. So, yo, let me get this straight, all right? In the last 48 hours, you lost one friend, Mark Few, because you bet against him. You lost another friend, Mazdal, because you encouraged him to go vigilante. I mean, what's next? Uh, are we going to find out that three years ago you rolled up on the Kool-Aid man at Javier's and you were like, eh, you know about Tyreek Hill? Not worth it, Ryed. Trade his ass whenever you can. All of this and you broke the pace car? Man, you're all about that chaos, Jim, and I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that energy. Oh, and speaking of the Sweet 16, Looky what happened to itty-bitty witty men of Michigan last night. Ah, uh, not so tough right now, are you, face snatcher? Jim, Juwan Howard is a punk bitch. 
all right? Just because 70 years ago that Matt herpes-infested university paid off five kids to show up and wear shorts around their ankles, knee-high black stockings, and cheat their asses off all the way to the championship game, only to see the quivering, panicky Chris Webber have a Wendy Williams burp fart in his brain and called a mythical timeout, Juan thinks he's king bleep? But... I see he kept his Kenny Pickett-sized hands in his pockets when he lost to a school from Philly. That's the smartest move someone has made since Jeff Passan kept my name out his mouth when he was on a few weeks back. Oh, and speaking of Passan, Rome, do you think the House of the Mouse let him off his gimp leash and granted him permission to come on your show to talk about his irrelevant dying sport? Or do you think he kind of snuck out late when Mickey was asleep? You know, can't you see this lizard face sneaking back onto the SN campus only to see Daddy Mouse sitting in the living room chair waiting for him with a wooden paddle? Hey, Jeff, where were you, pal? Uh, uh, nowhere, Daddy. I definitely wasn't with Jim Rome. Oh, me, oh, my. I don't believe your punk ass. Now, Bohica, here it comes again. <laughs> Jeff, you should have had left your Twitter hack hack. You're much more qualified to talk about busty anime sex dolls rather than the sport that was last popular when dudes were shoving bullroys in their asses. Just a small punk after all. Juan's a small hoe after all. They're both bitches after all. They have five-inch hands. See, who says smack-off champs don't talk sports? Y'all are getting used to getting down. And you like it. There were four games yesterday and four more games today. So we are going to run the BHB back once again. Incredibly enough, yesterday, he and I were on the opposite side of all of our picks. We both went two and two. So, Head, welcome back, back to back. And what a warrior you are for working two days in a row. Tell me about last night. I want a thought or two from you about last night. And then tell me how you're feeling right now, Head. I'm feeling all right right now after uh, getting ran over by your must bus. Holy hell, did he just um, make me look bad yesterday. But um, incredible job. A um, couple of thoughts from last night. Obviously, you said everything you need to say about Muscleman and the job he's done there. But that face snatcher uh, needs to stop snatching face and teach his team how to make a layup because I would have covered a spread there. Also, Duke v. Tech was incredible. Jeremy Roach, I thought, was Duke's weakness in December. Credit to him for turning it around. And without him, Kay's career is done. And then Kelvin Sampson, oh, my gosh. Relentless as hell, dude. All good takes. I agree with everything you just said. All right, so having said that, you've set the table. Let's do this. St. Peter's might be the most unlikely Sweet 16 participant in the history of the tournament. Hell, they might be the best story ever, period. I could not love and respect St. Peter's any more than I do. I love everything about these guys, especially their coach, Shaheen Hallway. They're already the best story ever. Head, can you imagine what it would look like and feel like if they shocked the world and they beat Purdue? Mm -mm. So having said that, I am not going to lie. I want it to happen. I need it to happen. I'm rooting for it to happen. Unfortunately, almost all good things come to an end. I believe deeply in the Peacocks, but I just think they're in too deep against Purdue. Purdue, to me, has too much. Too much size, and they're going to create too many problems for St. Peter's. I don't really want to do this. I literally hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to take Purdue. I'm going to lay the points. I'll probably, I hope I regret it, but I think I'm not going to. How are you going to play it? What's the number? 
I'm with you there. That feel-good story of St. Peter's will be officially iced tonight. The spread is 12-and-a-half, and I'm going to take Purdue. I'm going to lay the 12-and-a-half. It's a lot of points, but this Purdue offense, it's the best in the country, and they have size, like you said. You need dudes over 6-7, and St. Peter's just doesn't have them to deal with Trevian Williams and the 7-foot-4, 7-foot-4 Zach E.D. You also have to be able to score as well, and that's not what the Peacocks do. Ken Palm has them rated, Jim, as the 224th best offense in the country. Now, against the spread numbers, they do love St. Pete, and they hate Purdue lately. St. Pete is 7-0 and in their last seven neutral site games as a dog. They are 14-3-1 in their last 18 against the spread following a straight-up win, while Purdue is 1-5-2 in their last eight following a straight-up win. But I'm going Jaden Ivey and Purdue to poop back in that Pete ice cream for Cal. Purdue minus 12 and a half. Man, Head, I hope we're wrong. I hope we're wrong. But you and I are on the same page on that one, Shaheen. I'm sorry about that, my guy. I hope we're wrong. But I can't go against Purdue in that matchup. All right, Providence v. Kansas. I'm telling you another dude I am loving. Ed Cooley. I made it pretty clear, right? Right or wrong? Right or wrong, I do actually bet coaches in the NCAA tournament. Ed Cooley is a dude that I am betting on, not just in basketball, but in life. Because my dude is running on a different sort of rocket fuel. He's got his team running on that same high-grade premium fuel. I love this dude's fire. I love his energy. I love his ability to lead and motivate and get guys to do things that even they think that they cannot do. Now... Having said that, it is a game of matchups. I can't guarantee they'll win, but I'll tell you what. If you're telling me I can have Ed Cooley and say seven and a half, I'm going to take Ed Cooley and that value all damn day. What's the number? How are you playing it? The number is seven and a half. I'm going to actually go rock chalk here. I think... (laughs) (laughs) I think they finally figured out their formula with Remy Martin. He's finally finally fit in by coming off the bench he completes KU's offense now Jim it's one of the best in the country and one of their strength on defense is defending the three Ed Cooley's squad rolls with the three ball when they hit 30 percent or better from distance they are 22 and one Kansas holds teams to 30.4 percent from three that should be the key tonight I say KU wins that battle sorry Providence Austin Crozier and God sham God aren't walking through that door let's go against 70 percent of the public in rock chalk Jayhawk minus seven and a half man I wish those dudes were walking through the door not just to play but just to hang out love both (laughs) of them so much God sham God and Austin Crozier the best Uh, I'm betting on Ed I'm gonna take the value seven and a half all right so you and I are at odds on that one Carolina UCLA a Again, I cannot believe how personal all this ish is. Everywhere I look, I see a personal connection to a coach or a personal connection with this show and one of the coaches. Another example of that, Bruins head coach, Mick Cronin. Mm -hmm. Love him. Love his fire. Love what he's done up the road in Westwood. He's also a thoroughbred owner, like I am. And you love the horses, Mm -hmm. head. He's a David August man, like I am. Of course I love this dude. Of course I have to roll with this dude. But... But if it's just business and we're looking at this objectively, I am leaning North Carolina. And the reason for that is I just don't know about Jaime Jaquez's status. Seeing how badly he jacked his ankle up, it has me concerned, very concerned. And head, while it took a while, Carolina finally got it going. They're playing their best ball when it matters most. I hate myself for this, but the gambling game is rough, dog. It's ruthless. 
I am going to take Carolina because there are points. Again, I hope I'm wrong, but objectively, if I have to make a bet, that's what I'm going to do. What's the number? How are you playing it? I'm playing it with you here. I'll take the two and a half and Carolina. They love to play fast. UCLA loves to play slow because the Bruins do such a good job of protecting the ball. They probably will control the tempo here, but why I like Carolina is like what you just said. Jaime's ankle is one, and the Tar Heels are the best rebounding team in the country. UCLA is an average shooting team. If they shoot well, they could win. If not, they won't because Carolina will eliminate their second-chance points. They are going to dominate the glass tonight with their size and backcourt of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis playing the way they are, and I can get the points. Let's go with Carolina here, Jim, who is six and one in their last seven via the spread, plus two and a half Tar Heels. Yeah, hey, I'm with you, and I hate it. Hey, Mick, sorry about that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And then you got Miami and Iowa State. You know, part of me wants to say I really don't even know, Head, how either one of them, much less both of them, are here. But they're here. Yep. Here the bleep we mm-hmm. are. Taking nothing from Iowa State, here who did are. what they had to do to get here and beat who was put in front of them, but. I mean, it's not their fault. They didn't schedule LSU and Wisconsin, but they beat a Wisconsin team that picked a really bad night to have a really bad night. They beat an LSU team that had fired their coach. Mm-hmm. In other words, credit for being here, I guess, but not much more credit than that. And I'm not saying the Canes are world beaters. Far from it. I'm saying I like them better in this spot, and I've got no problem laying the points here. What are you doing with this one? I'll lay the two and a half as well and go with you here and take the Hurricanes. Good offense here in Miami via good defense in Iowa State, but overall, the Canes are peaking right now, and their guard play is great. They have four dudes who can get them buckets, and if Auburn, the best shot-blocking team in the country, couldn't stop these guys in the paint, Iowa State should not do that. Also, while Miami's defense isn't great, they have created 15.5 turnovers per game in the tournament this far, and Iowa State... On the season, they rank 296th in turnover per possession. They are due to cough that ball up today, uh, uh, tonight um, after actually doing a pretty good job their first two games in the tournament of protecting the ball, but I think that changes tonight. Not the most exciting game, like you said, but let's go with Jimmy, Laranega, and Cocaine, minus 2.5. Cocaine. Go Canes. Oh, Go Canes. Not Cocaine. Go Canes. My bad. I'm a little disappointed that you did not absolutely unequivocally butcher (laughs) any words this time around. Hey, sidebar, who do you think, I got 90 seconds, so make it quick, Uh who do you think is the best remaining team in the field? Uh, Kansas or Duke. Good answer. Way to hedge. I will actually take Duke. They finally figured it out, I think. Okay, there you go. Really quickly, run it back. Who do you have? Purdue minus 12.5 over St. Peter's. Rock Chalk Jayhawk minus 7.5 v. Providence. Carolina plus 2.5 v. UCLA. Miami minus 2.5 v. Iowa State. And I just realized right now I went against the must bus again. I can't wait to hear from Twitter. Welcome to the jungle. What's going on? Hope you had a tremendous weekend. And by the way, how could you not? What an insane weekend that was. Look at the bracket next to Alvy. I'll shoot you straight. I lost a lot of dough. I don't even care. I mean, it was so fun. How about that tournament? I've never had so much fun losing my ass. And you know what? Mama made pizza rolls. Logan's like, Dad, you're starting to scare me. I said, hey, Logan. Mama made Texas toast. Mama made beef taquitos. E P 
He must. How you living, Eric? Every time I come out of the jungle, I got 55 people in San Diego just start blowing me up. So it'll be good to reconnect. When Pete Gillen had God sham God, rest in oh, peace, Pete Gillen. Crapple. Certainly Duke is Duke. And my guy Rex Certainly just put Duke me in the ground. So a lot of you are having a lot of fun He's with that. That'll happen. Happens to us all. Ed Cooley, my guest. I don't want to be on vacation. I want to have that chip. I don't think we'll ever get complacent if you play for me. Complacency does not live within the DNA of our organization. Sean Watson for the Cleveland Browns. That's pretty wild to me. So I'm going to go ahead and retire America's team. They're a better football team, but at what cost? I got guys from New Jersey and New York City. You think we scared of anything? If there's a better story than St. Peter's, I'm not aware of it. You think we run about guys trying to muscle us and tough us out? We do that. And if you think they're going to back down, you don't know their head coach, Shaheen Holloway. I, I, I watched your show. Like You bring that fire, man. And, and I, I tell you the truth, if you don't have that Juice. passion and the juice. How can you play the game of basketball? How can you play the game of life? Seriously. Falcons trading Matt No, Ryan Ryan's not the, the second coach. coming of Peyton Manning. But he did throw for nearly 4,000 yards last season on one of the worst rosters ever. The guy can still play a little. In fact, more than a little. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, he's really pretty lean, man. That's not bad. Okay. Kelvin Sampson is back. I just got excited. I just wanted to smash my shirt on. The kids seem to get a kick out of it, though. What the hell? Hi, Mike. It's Jenna Rome. Here with Jim Rome. I'm going to kill Jim Rome. And that's when Mike swung around and goes, oh, hey, Jim. You look like you've been working out. I'm like, thank God, dude. He's not going to punch me in the face. Tommy Lloyd. Jim, it's great to be a guest. A long-time listener, first-time guest here. Grew up listening to you in Spokane all those years. I was uh, originally an XR4TI card-carrying member. But a man's got to play with the hands he's dealt. But I got to say, how in the hell did he grow his hands that quickly? Is there a special hand-stretching exercise? Did he go night and day thumb wrestling to build thumb muscles? One, two, three, four. I declare thumb war. Eric Hill moving to Miami. Hey, Chiefs fan. How's that grab you? The Chiefs should have paid Hill before D. Adams got his new deal. Come on, Jets fan. He was not coming. Was there really ever a chance? Who? Yeah, yeah I don't think he was told. I don't think it was that hard. You know why it wasn't that hard? Because the Jets were in the equation. Will Brinson. A quick shout out to the uh, the Chiefs and the Dolphins for uh, the timing of this trade. Feeding the content machine, pumping some colon. You made it in, Todd. What's your beef? Cunning linguistics. Hold that finger back. Ah. My beef is with my husband because every time you run somebody, he has to walk around the damn house saying, I don't like oh, that call. Oh, That's not a very good call. Rodney. Rockin' Rodney from Emporium, Pennsylvania. Hey, bro, why do they call you Rockin' Rodney? Because when I played college ball, I rocked the board. Ah. I don't like that call. It's not a very good call. A lot of my family, but a lot of friends. And they said, what were you doing? I said, I was on with Jim Rome. You were on with Jim Rome. Oh, we love Jim Rome. What you do, I could never do. You were on that uh, Mount Rushmore. Believe me. When did at Big Head Bets get that LSU accent? Razorbacks. Family. Razorbacks. Family. Razorbacks. Come on, Rachel, shave your backs. Garbage. Hey, Jim, where were you, pal? Uh, uh, nowhere, Daddy. I definitely wasn't with Jim Rome. Oh, me, oh my. I don't believe your punk ass. No, Bohica. Here comes the game. Bohica. <laughs> It's okay to be nervous. I've learned that. If you're not nervous, then you're not ready. Campbell Camel trying to get a hold of their athletic director and no response. And San Jose State was 25 minutes from my home, and I couldn't get an interview with them. And so all that stuff just builds up to try to drive you. I'm pushing P, baby. Keep doing what, what you're doing, man. I, I love it. Mama made tater tots. Yeah. I love you, Jim. I love your energy. I hope I didn't talk too fast for you this time, Jim. More of a jangler. You know what I mean, Jim? I don't even have words for it. Neck. Biased. Who wants to sex Capella? Oh. So bright and vivid. Oh. oh. But we win. We got Jungle Karma again. Good night now. Good night now.